0: Welcome to uh, episode 17 of Swing Thoughts, brought to you by TaylorMade Golf Adidas. Is that good? Thumbs it up? Is. You'd forgotten last time.
1: No, I know. So I was going to be all over you for that.
0: TaylorMade, the number one driver in golf. The uh, I, You know, I was trying to describe how good their drivers are. Um, they're like the Viagra of drivers. That's how good they are. That'd be amazing. Yes, indeed. <laughs> that would be. A Seriously, the face is... It gets... No, I wouldn't even say it. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> How up that driver goes? Anyway, Tim O'Connor, everybody, Tim O'Connor, thank you, and Howard Glassman, thank you, very Howard much. Glassman, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Howard uh, Howard Glassman is the host of the Hubble and Fred radio show and former club champion at the national. Thank you, thank you. And once a week, Tim and I get together. Tim, of course, a uh, very famous uh, golf uh, journalist and uh, columnist and author. Oh, that- and uh, a buddy of mine, and um, a teacher, the mental performance coach for um, for uh, Glen Abbey and the academy there. And uh, our guest, uh, Charlie Fitzsimmons. In a second, first Timmy just came in. You know, traffic was horrible, and he goes, "I got to tell you a great story about Mo Norman at uh, Victoria Park Golf." Is that it? Yeah, Victoria Park East in lovely Guelph, Ontario. Tell where, me where I live. Well, it was I. Um
1: I went hit balls at uh, Victoria Park last night. I got a big game today with Jay Gilbert, our good
0: friend. From birdiegolf.com. Birdiegolf.com. And I was supposed to be part of that massive uh, triad of wonder. But well, we'll see. Yeah, you'll Let see. me join you for the back nine. So, you know, I wanted
1: to uh, get some swings in and just see how it was doing. And uh, so I get to the course, and some of my son Sean's buddies, um, they've worked there, and they hang there. And so they're hitting balls, and, it you know, A great night and i know there's uh there's isaac nick and blake and this kid who i don't know but pretty sweet golf swing Mm -hmm. really good and uh i noticed that he's got a a golf bag that says waterloo so i'm you know i coach on the uh university of guelph golf team and i say hey you go to waterloo and he said no no i do this um winter program in waterloo at whistlebear i said oh really uh who do you take it with he goes mike martz all right one of our guests absolutely uh friend of show mike martz. fos and uh i went oh cool that was one of uh mo norman's best friend and he goes yeah mo's that's my grand uncle what yeah it was mo norman's his mo's sister marie is his grandmother
0: isn't that weird
1: and i just on the, uh, i go really I um, did
0: he have any uh, Mo DNA vibe going? Was he hitting it straight as anything? Good golf swing,
1: really. Oh yeah, I hate that. Seventeen years
0: old and just cranks it,
1: and he just so it's like really, you're Mo Norman's grand nephew, and I went. I wrote Mo's biography, and the kid just looks at me like, "Holy
0: crap!" This is come on. This is one of these moments.
2: Yeah, it was one of (laughs) them.
0: Welcome back to Butler Cabin. I'm with Tim O'Connor and Mo Norman's grand nephew, as they reunite in Mo Normanness. And we stood there and we looked at each other, lips quivering. What a great night! By the way, it's funny. I talked to Timmy on the way home from uh, my round yesterday evening, and. Um, you were saying, yeah, oh, I'm on my way to hit balls. I thought, you know, what a perfect night for. Oh, it was. It was beautiful. Because the light at around uh, 645, when I was finishing up and I, I said to one of the people that uh, I was playing with, who you're about to meet, I said, the light is just so perfect right now. And it was funny because I noticed it as only a golfer could through my rangefinder. <laughs> no, no, it's true. Like, I was like the last. far from the stoplight? Charlie, wasn't it the last hole? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm on the last hole. I, I shoot the uh, the number, and through the rangefinder, it's like just all of a sudden the light just looked perfect. It was it's what directors call you know the golden time where where everyone looks great in movies. And I said to Charlie uh, Fitzsimmons, who's uh, I'm going to introduce him officially in a second, I said, Charlie, d- d- isn't the light amazing? He's like, yeah. And meanwhile, we we're both on the way to really shitty scores. <laughs> Well, there you're enjoying the bigger things. Exactly. So, anyway, just to finish up with this kid, this kid is. Hang on, this this story is going to have an ending. Yeah, it will. My stories do. I thought you. I thought. I apologize. I thought you were done.
1: No, no, no. Worries. So the kid's Luke DeCorso. So that's part of uh, Luke DeCorso. Yeah. Okay. And uh, anyways, it's just funny when people find out that you're like an author and Mm. you wrote a book. And particularly, he goes, "Yeah." I said, "Do you know my son, Sean?" He goes, "Yeah, I've been in your
0: house." Come on (laughs) One of Sean's parties Yeah, that's an old guy thing It's like, oh yeah, yeah Well, you can't know everyone Your kids know Yeah, exactly But the kid was just like Blown
1: away by it And It was just really interesting It reminded me of another time When uh, I was at Glen Abbey And this guy sees my Mo Norman book The Feeling of Greatness And he goes
0: Do you know where I could get that? (laughs) (laughs) I went, yeah, I think so. That's funny. I got some in my trunk. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to our program. Now, Tim is one of the coaches of the uh, University of Guelph golf team. Uh, This gentleman you're about to say hello to has been on the Western University men's golf team since the 1950s. (laughs) Um, He is now entering his 45th year. In Canada, I found out yesterday, apparently there are no eligible. You can just, as long as you're going to school, you can be on the golf team. And Charlie Fitzsimmons has been a member of this team now going on. I think in the old days you guys were using persimmon and... Featheries. Featheries. Actually, that's not true. Charlie's been on the team. He's uh, 28 years old. He has uh, won uh, six-time OUA, uh, Ontario University Athletics All-Star, and is a, uh, an accomplished player. But interestingly, as well, holds an MA in sports psychology with a specialization in coaching. He's currently completing his Ph.D. in sports psychology. And speaking of, um, you know, uh, coincidences or, you know, kismet or synchronicity that Tim was explaining about, Charlie, it turns out, is good friends with our friend Adam Kingsbury, also a sports psychologist who I've known since he was a zygote. (laughs) Um, Charlie and Adam, a.k., one of my best friend's sons, are buddies. And Charlie is here on Swing Thoughts. Hello, sir.
2: Thanks so much for having me on, guys. It's, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure, and uh, you've done your research.
0: Well, we'll find out about the honor-pleasure stuff. <laughs> well, listen, man, let's talk about it. So we're having, like, we spent, Charlie and I spent the whole day together. One of our mutual dear friends is Tim Southcott, who is a super beauty, and it was Tim Southcott, who's like a one handicap. Paul Gortner was like a plus two. Charlie was like a plus two. And me with my dinky little 1.8 differential. It's kind of cool for me, too. I love being like I love being in a group where I'm, like, time for the worst player. <laughs> um, although Timmy played well last night, eh?
2: Oh, he played really solid. It was uh great to see and uh, I always enjoy, you know, playing with guys when they have a really solid round. That's just uh just makes the day extra special, but uh, obviously as you were saying before, there was more to it than, than just the golf. It was the, the company and the, the weather, and we just had a great day. We,
0: we did have a great day, and, and it's true. Like On the last hole of the round, it was just where we were in the golf course. The light was spectacular, and even though I was on my way to one of my highest rounds this year, I thought to myself, like, wow, this is really, it's been such a great day. The number doesn't matter. It really didn't. I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. It, it matters at the competitive level, which is you're kind of like Going, like I went home and I thought, you know, why? Where was all those bogeys that I made? And and to be full disclosure, I didn't shoot ninety; I shot seventy nine. But for me, it was like, and you didn't have. I I know you didn't have a great round for in terms of numbers. I was, you know, Tim shot seventy four, Paul was seventy four, you were, I think, seventy five, and I was seventy nine. But it didn't matter because the experience of the day was so much fun. We had lots of laughs, and there wasn't anyone really worried about or grinding over a, a number.
2: No, it was, uh, it was just about a good round with friends. And uh, sometimes that kind of attitude uh, actually helps you play even better. And, and uh, so, you know, if you were grinding it out, who knows if that would have actually helped your, your score yesterday or not, but, uh, or or mine or anybody's. So it's just one of those interesting things that sports psychology talks about and, and certainly makes you uh, question a little bit.
0: I will say one thing, Tim. It would have been interesting for you to be there, because even though we were playing <clears> – <throat> uh, the course we were playing was par 72 – Probably uh, around sixty seven hundred yards, which was ironically enough the same number of times Charlie sneezed.
2: Uh, he, he at least, at, le- at
0: least he sneezed sixty seven hundred times. At one point, so and I've always always taught to say "Bless you." Like, my dad, you know, those are sort of etiquette, right? So the first couple times Charlie sneezed, I was like, oh, bless you. And then he sneezed like seven times in a row. I went, okay, well, that's excessive. He's getting old. He's getting old. Well, about the fifth or sixth hole in a row when he went into these sneezing fits, we all got angry at him. <laughs> like, it was well, like, you take care of that? Yeah, exactly. Do something
2: yeah, already. I for my life for a moment. So finally, I, I just I said, I survived.
0: I just said, listen, bless you for the rest of the round. That's it. We're done. Because <laughs> I'm going to be over here trying to figure out what to do. So um, where do we begin with a guy like Charlie Fitzsimmons? Tim Clarendon?
2: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we're a so, sponsorship. No, I, I don't even have allergies. It was just—I don't know what was going on. My my nose does funny things sometimes, but hey, I, I already profusely apologized and, and hoped. Oh uh, no, it was hilarious that Ben Howard was uh, able to put up with me.
1: Here's where I'll we'll start. So, so uh, Charles, I met you on the uh, first tee at Cutting Club. Uh, I was there. did. I was there supporting the uh, University of Guelph varsity team, uh, yep. and you were there um, captaining the Western team. and I used to like it when it was the University of Western Ontario, but anyways. Um, anyways, so this big dude swaggers onto the first tee. I mean, he owns the tee. And I just leaned over to uh, Brandon McLeod, the coach of uh golf. I said, Who's that guy? And he goes, That's Charles Fitzsimmons, the oldest <laughs> competitive golfer. But anyways, that's not my point. My point was is that you were just in this place of just you're out there have you're gonna have some fun. And yeah. just you know, talking to everybody and whereas all the guys on the golf team and a lot of your teammates tight they're so tight you couldn't have driven a nail up their butt with a hammer Um,
0: and i guess the question is why would you want to but that's a different discussion no but
1: what i'm saying is that that kind of looseness um it's not
0: faked you've learned how to do it but that's maybe part of you but maybe talk about Well, that's an interesting point is that your personality was that a learned behavior or is that who you really are is okay if i hijacked your question
2: you no, comp- no. You it's, complete it's, me. They, they, they both flow in very well together, I think, the questions. Um, it, it, it's both. It's um both it 's very much me naturally, but it 's hard to be yourself uh, under pressure, you know, especially when we 're taught as kids that you have to be very serious in competition and you can 't have fun and you have to be focused and and you know you have to be intense and, and all this kind of stuff and and what i 've really learned through my my um, sports psychology ventures and and working with other athletes and, and obviously through all my, my schooling is that there are certain uh, peak performance states, you know, there are, and they're individual to each person. And so you really have to find out and understand, you know, how are you feeling? How are you acting? How are you thinking when you perform your best? And and what I've learned over my, my time as a competitive golfer, which I've been very fortunate to, to have a, a pretty long career at this point in my life is to is that I need to be myself. I need to be having fun. I need to be loose and I need to be kind of social and and, uh, and enjoying myself out there to, to play my best. And, and so it, it has been a learned skill to to, allow myself to relax to that point where I can go out there and and really be myself and and enjoy it and be comfortable being myself and not be worried that people are judging me and saying, oh, he's not taking it seriously or, oh, he doesn't care or, or something like that. They know I care as much or more as anyone else but you know it's just that that's how i play my best and and so i'm going to make sure that uh, i can do that as often as possible
1: well that's really interesting because uh, the key piece i wanted to pick up on was that you said you you understand your peak performance state like one of the things that i do with a lot of my clients is that if they've had a really good round i ask them to, i do this whole deal where i get them to close their eyes and think back to the round yep. and then to the you know was it the front or the back what couple of holes did you really play the best and what was the state that you were in and really relive that state and so i just wanted you to talk to that piece around reflecting on when you've really played well or you're in a really good state and just how you can kind of draw on that in future games and replicate it
2: yeah, hundred percent, so you know there, there's two approaches you can kind of take and and yours is is very much one of them, and that 's really looking at an understanding and just thinking about okay one of the times that i've played my best and and uh, and just try and think about and and, uh, and do that and so you can kind of journal or you can go through those kind of meditative or, or imagery based experiences to try and take yourself back into those situations um, Journaling is obviously a a classic sports psychology technique. The other way I think about it is just trying to um, think more proactively a little bit ahead of time and just try and try and really think about when is it that uh you feel your best you know when is it that uh in general you know outside of sports as well when is it that uh what are those characteristics when you feel very happy when do you perform well in in work when do you put you know are you a very social person and just kind of looking at your your more generalized personality traits you can start to almost predict a little bit what that that peak performance state would be but but not always and and so that's why that reactive um uh... part of, of journaling or paying attention to when those things are going well is, is such a, a key and important part. But, uh, you know, the, everyone seems to think that there's one magic key that kind of fits for everybody. And I, and I think anybody who, who has gone through sports psych uh, really knows that it's it's completely individualized. You know, one person needs to be really intense and have lots of energy and, and not talk to anybody, and, and another person just needs to be more relaxed and having fun. And, and you know, you can see that even on the, the PGA Tour with the, the different characteristics of the guys out there and and I think uh the the biggest challenge is just being comfortable with with uh what you decide is your peak performance state because, again, uh, everybody's different, and, and you just have to be able to uh,
0: be okay with that. You know, we were talking, Charlie and I, before uh, the round, we were just having something to eat, and I was talking about my experience over my lifetime of exploring the mental side of golf. And I often refer to the person I used to be as the worst golfer I ever met. And one of the things I'm in talking about in temper and sulking, all the, any hallmark or any attribute you, you, you can imagine a a poor person to play with. I believe I was that person. And one of the things I didn't do back in the day when I used to freak out all the time is I was never... And I'm funny for a living. I was never very funny. I was never funny on the golf course. I could never kind of get to that spot of being myself until I was way out of it on a round. Unless yep. I got to like whatever the. once I was seven over, then I would be fine.
1: And, but four, it, and four rolling rocks into it. Exactly.
0: Where and you probably played a lot better than too. Exa- well, exactly. Well, and, and, and as I've at, over time, you know, it's funny because again, the guys we played with last night are two of my favorite now three of my favorite play people to play with. But we we had lots of laughter um we i i'm i'm very social now on the golf course even in tournament play i played in a uh, gao event a couple weeks ago and the guys we were playing with were all great guys really good players and we all had pretty good rounds going but we had social interaction social discourse you know not screwing around kind of like charlie and i and paul and tim did last night but we were (laughs) as foursome of guys playing to qualify still managed to enjoy a social time and i think what it's it's made me better a more certainly i've enjoyed the experience better but i also think it makes me play better because that is my natural state to be does yeah, that definitely. make sense definitely what's interesting to me about that is is connecting
1: both those dots uh, charles is indicating what's works for you individually, uh, because it's different for everyone. For, for yeah. Howard, he talks about being social. I remember talking with um, Marlene Street, you know, one of the greatest amateur golfers mm-hmm. in the history of the yep. game, and she talked about uh, teeing off, and the competitor would start to talk about her husband or work or that kind of thing, and Marlene would say, we'll
0: talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Right now <laughs> we're going to play golf. Hey, guys. Yeah. And there would be no chatter. And that's some people yeah. say, you know, I played uh, one of the greatest amateurs the country's ever produced, Warren Tsai. You know, I've known Warren for a long time. He was way out of my league, but I played in a couple of events with Warren. One was a 36-hole tournament, and he and I, there was three of us, and we played the entire day together. He didn't talk to me and the other guy the entire first round. Somewhere in the second round, when he realized he was completely out of it, he was the greatest guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the last 13 holes, I kept saying to him, where have you been all yeah, day? Yeah, but once it served him. Well, it didn't serve well. I don't know. Didn't serve him, but listen—the guy won the Canadian Amateur and the Ontario yeah, Amateur. But I could get it around. So I mean, everyone's intensity level is different, and I guess that's what we're talking about. Yeah, Charles. One of the things we talked about yesterday during the round that is so apropos for this show, uh, Swing Thoughts, brought to you by TaylorMade, um, is that Charles has done is working on his PhD, and his dissertation focuses on how athletes use humor. Yeah. And there's a great tie-in today. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that, but Timmy's put up something on his Facebook today. I saw it at like 10 to 5 this morning. I'm like, oh, this is so perfect. And we'll explain what that is. So talk a little bit about humor in sports and how athletes um, react using humor.
2: Yeah, so... um really there's been a lot of research outside of sport in uh, the psychology of humor and and the benefits they can have to, in terms of developing relationships uh, helping people to to cope with stress and generally just uh, associations with all kinds of of positive uh, personality traits things like optimism and uh, and confidence and and the like and and so it's it's um, it's really an important feature it's a uh, ubiquitous feature of, of human psychology, it's everywhere The hum- humor is everywhere and, uh, and amongst all people and, and um, I was just amazed that it hadn't really been transferred over into sport the, the research hadn't and, and so I took that upon myself um, for my, my PhD and, and just wanted to really understand and, and just start the, that line of research in sport and really understand the, how athletes use humor and, and, and uh, you know we need to watch out for uh, all kinds of different things with it so some of the interesting things that came up was as you could expect and, and might know from real life as well that there are positive and negatives uh to humor um you know sometimes it can be beneficial and sometimes it can it can hurt the situation and and uh, the athletes that we we talked to in my my first dissertation study were, were very clear on that that there were lots of positives but it depended how and, and when it was used and so one of the uh, one of the interesting conclusions that one of the, the foremost researchers has talked about is that humor, in terms of a, a social setting, can really be thought of as a skill um, where you can kind of uh, custom tailor it uh, to be more effective or, or less effective. Obviously, if you're trying to be more effective, that's that's the focus. But it, it's just interesting because it, 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 it ties into other uh, sports like psychology skills like self talk or something like that or imagery, where you know it's a practice skill and, and the reality is is that most people don't think of that. They they think of humor as being kind of set in stone and Although everyone has their tendency and everyone has their um, their natural sense of humor, if you will, there there are different ways that you can use humor, and, and certainly you can temper uh, the kinds of humor you use around different people to, to be the most successful. And, and so it's um, it's really about trying to now communicate that with athletes and help them to understand that there are different styles of humor that have different outcomes, and, and if they can um, be aware of those, that it may help not only to... Uh, help themselves perform better individually, have more fun individually, but also in, in team sports especially to, to build better teams and build better relationships between themselves and their coaches, which is such a, a huge thing in, in terms of uh, creating a cohesive team because those teams are often the ones that best, uh, that, that win the most. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun and, and uh, probably not as, as humorous as you might think. Oh, I <laughs> disagree. That was uh, yeah. very funny. Sometimes well, I used to have humor a, gets a little
1: dry. <laughs> yeah, well, I used to have a sarcastic football coach. I didn't like his humor. But, um, no, exactly. No, what Howard was talking about earlier was uh, something just, um, I think it was on ESPN uh, yesterday online, and I saw that, uh, I guess, at the players, Jordan Spieth was talking about like what really went on after he made the quad at, yeah. uh, at the Masters. And so he makes seven. He's playing with Smiley Kaufman, who makes a two. And so, you know, this is really uh, everyone perceives this as Jordan's, you know, Waterloo. It's disaster. Everything's gone, kind of thing. Um, so they get to the thirteenth tee, and Spieth looks at
0: Kaufman. He goes, "Whose tee is it?" <laughs> and then he just <laughs> then he just smiles. Yeah, and Kaufman is stunned. He think he was not sure what's. Gone on. He doesn't know if he's serious or not. He's like, I, I, I'm not sure, because he's been basically going second all day long.
1: Yeah, and then once Jordan smiled, he got it. But so, but I think a key piece here is that Spieth follows up the quad with a birdie. And so, speak to how you think that Jordan Spieth used humor uh, yep. to help him maybe realign or refocus, or just maybe to, to tamp down uh, what emotions may have been burbling up with for him.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, so part of um, part of the way humor can help you to uh, to cope with uh, different stressors and things like that is is twofold. So, uh, one, it can help you to uh, reappraise the situation as as less threatening or, or less bad, and so in that way, you can help to. Um, change uh, obviously the way you're, you're thinking and and, uh, and reacting and, and the second part of it is that it can also help to um, change your emotional background and, and obviously having a little bit of a laugh um, tends to release certain uh, chemicals in the brains, things like endorphins um, that uh, tend to make you feel better and, and so in, in that way there 's kind of this this dual effect where not only can it help you to start thinking a little bit. Uh, more proactively and, and less threat based and it also helps to kind of ease the, the some of the emotional tension as well and so in that way, it can kind of just help you to um, just kind of put the, what happened in its place and, and understand what it was but also allow yourself to, to see it in a different light and, and uh, start moving on emotionally because um, uh, Howard and I were speaking about this a little bit yesterday, but uh, the biggest challenge I, I find with athletes is uh, letting emotions carry on too long. And it's not that you can't feel emotions; it's just that you know you have to understand the effect that they have on your thinking and, and ultimately your performance. And and if you can understand that and understand how to use them to your advantage and, and not let them hurt you too much, then then that's what's really going to help you uh, be successful and, and help you to recover from uh, from challenging situations like what Jordan went through.
0: Well, you know I, what I what I love. Is- about it, and I read that this, you know, it was, it was just so perfect, because we spent some time, Charlie and I, talking about his dissertation and the idea that, you know, there there is a place for humor in team sports, and here's a great example of someone who just, by all accounts, you know, melted down, he had three holes, bogey-bogey, quad, and, and he had the wherewithal to say that. It just goes to show you that walk from the 12th green to the 13th tee, it's not that he didn't feel all those things it's that he had some presence of mind to to not only make Kylie or Smiley or whatever <laughs> Smiley Wiley <in> the- Coyote <laughs> um he he had the eye brother lucky but yeah he had the presence of mind to do that for himself as well yeah to to it, it, to sort of give him an, a bit of an outlet of I don't know you just get those emotions out
2: it, it speaks to his his mental toughness and and to his maturity that uh and that he knows himself well enough, is comfortable in himself to be able to to kind of do that. You know, he wasn't, uh, you could say that he was maybe putting himself down a little bit, but uh, I think at the same time, he wasn't really, because it was more of a, a joke between the two of them as opposed to him saying, you know, oh, I guess I don't have the tea kind of thing. So it's it's all about how you phrase the joke that can really, uh, as I'm sure you know very well, Our, that uh, it can really have the, the big impact there. And so in that way, it was just kind of a... You know, let's all take a laugh at that and move on. And and I think that just... uh, Well, guys, it's not just
0: a laugh. It's also the acknowledgement. It's the tacit understanding yeah. that that just happened. And the thing is, is. Yes. you know, and, and the thing is when guys do that, uh, I I think it's a, it was not only for Jordan Spieth, but if you're in your foursome this weekend and you just, you know, hit two out of bounds and almost kill an animal and you don't say something, <laughs> then everyone feels awkward. Oh yeah. What yeah. You know, which, what what all humor does in some way is diffuse awkwardness by point, yep. by by shining a light on it. And I mean there was Jordan Spieth, I mean the old joke about when is too soon. The guy literally 20 seconds after probably <laughs> losing the masters had the presence of mind to go, "Hey Smiley, I'm just going to make you feel better about what you just saw. It's okay." Yeah. But you wait basically what he's saying is I'm okay, so you can be okay too. In a way, absolutely. Well-
2: yeah, exactly, and he's also saying that you know I I don't think the Masters is over. I think you know it's yeah. just one hole, one shot, and and uh, you know he talked about kind of the idea of acceptance a little bit in there, and, and that's a big thing that uh, that I work on with my athletes is not only generally kind of being accepting of challenges that you face on the course and and the ups and downs that are inevitable in, in all sports, but uh, you know you have to really be able to accept a, a mistake or or just a bad bounce or anything like that before you can move on with it because um, it's. Just just one of the processes that that really helps people to to move on and, and so that level of acceptance to a point where you can kind of make a joke about it i think is uh, is a really key point
0: well' that's, that is the word there i guess that 's part of what we 're going to learn here from uh, Charlie Fitzsimmons is that Humor is a way of connecting to an acceptance of the moment so that you can get back to what it is you're doing, which is hopefully having a great time. In his case, you know, I, 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 I've said this. We talked to quite a bit about the Jordan Speed thing, and I said the greatest learning for me is not that he did it. It's what he did after. He yeah. went one under on the way in, almost two under on the way in. That's absurd. Yeah, It speaks to
1: his, I, I've always said this, that, Jordan Spieth is one of the most grounded guys I've ever seen on the tour. Whether he yeah. wins or whether he, he, he's in a bad spot, yeah, he was. He looked angry, <laughs> you know, at the ceremony, and, and, and who could blame him? But yeah. I always thought that he's really grounded, and I want to connect that to you guys. Yesterday, finishing your round, it wasn't your best round, but I think maybe even just unconsciously, you knew you were having a great time. You were you're having a wonderful time, and there it was. The grass is lit up in that beautiful shade of green in kind of like the the late afternoon early evening and that's that's beautiful and to be able to pick up on that I mean that tells you what's the important stuff rather than the numbers that go on the card yeah i mean it's important in tournaments and and that kind of thing, but if you have a sense of gratitude, I think that comes from being grounded and knowing yep. that this really isn't life or death
2: well and and honestly i i uh, you know I think that attitude uh it can be taken into tournaments and, and again people think oh you're, no, you're not taking it seriously or anything like that but the reality is that any given day you know anything can happen on the golf course and, and if, you, if you approach it too seriously and, and put uh, the life or death death kind of feeling of any given round it just adds that much more pressure and, yeah. and to me especially at the amateur level but even at the professional level it's, it, there's so much more than that you know Jack Nicholas always said the reason I was so good is because golf was just a game to me it was just something mm-hmm. I loved to do if I played poorly, I knew that, you know, i get to go play it again another time. <laughs>
1: and you still have his family, and that yeah, would go he on. he
2: had all those other parts of his life that were, were so much more important, and, and so, you know, you go back to the, the old quote about uh, golf being a good walk spoiled. Well, I think that's a choice, and, and uh, in life, we, we often have choices about how we look at things, and, and the reality is, is that uh, the happiest people make the choice to see the world in a certain way, and, and to see like it that. in a way that that makes them happy and, and makes them feel Good about it, and I think that was what we were really getting to you know, around yesterday and, and something that i 've worked on a lot with myself personally and and, and all of my clients is that you know there 's more to life than sports even though it doesn 't feel that way sometimes and and keeping that in mind is, is a big step towards just being a happier person, and I think that makes you a better athlete over the long run
0: well you know it 's funny because, yeah. as I say, we got to the 18th hole that we were playing it wasn 't the eighteenth hole in the golf course, and we were just in this you know all in a we were laughing our heads off about this and that. And we all hit decent drives on this really short par 4. And I probably had, I'm going to say, 45 or some ridiculously low number to the green. I, sh- I, I, I didn't even scope it because, Tim, my buddy, was like, how many yards is it? I go, I don't know. It's right there. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, like I said, I really don't need to shoot this. But when I did laser it, it's when I saw the light through uh, the, the viewfinder. I saw the light yep. and re- yeah, and it reminded me of looking through a camera. And then I go ahead and hit a horrible, like I hit a half-chunk super skull, something <laughs> or other. <laughs> like don't even get it to the green, and then I make a nice chip and I bogey it. But doesn't I walked off going, it still doesn't matter. I still had a great yeah. time. everyone hugged each other, and we I you know I couldn't hang around after. But I was like, that was, I, it didn't matter. Seventy eight or seventy nine didn't matter. And, and you know, and, I, and I'd like to hope that when it's going to be sixty eight or sixty nine, it won't matter either. <laughs>
2: No, I mean you know if you if you look back on that round in in, in five years or ten years or whatever it may be, you know you're not going to remember what you shot. You're going to remember the guys you played with, and you're going to remember that that memory of looking through the the rangefinder and seeing that that beautiful sight. And and I think that you know that long term perspective is sometimes uh, so critical, but so underutilized when uh, you know we're doing things on a day to day basis.
0: So um, we're going to let you go. We have a, a couple other things we want to get to on this shortened version version of swing thoughts. Um Brought to you by Taylor made Adidas. Although it's so weird. It's like we get a sponsor, Taylor made, and also Adidas is like, No, we don't want them. No. Oh. So I, I didn't say that to Stewie. I go, i I think to myself, I wonder if Stu Banantin thinks that we're responsible for uh, Taylor isn't uh, isn't Adidas trying
2: to sell Taylor made. Yeah, that's right. Adidas that's is right. like, well
0: wow. <laughs> once Tim and Howard got on board um, so uh, I remember. We, so we were talking before the round. I, and again, I told Charlie that I was the worst golfer I'd ever met. And now at 56, it's not like it was when I was 36, where I was used to lose my mind. And if I'd shot 79 at 36, I wouldn't have gotten to the end of the round. So, did, so when, from a and guy, you know, and you know that most people who probably listen to this show go,
1: "Oh, if only I could ever shoot 79." No, I
0: know. I know. Uh, but so from your from a from a golf um, coach, golf psychology perspective. What about, did you, was there any observations of my routine or my process or my demeanor that you can see me working on stuff or just quickly, what were your, and I don't want you, I know you thought I was a good guy, but I mean more about my, my um, the way I approached it. I was curious about what you thought. And don't hold back, full candor. Yeah,
2: well, no, to be perfectly honest with you, I was, I was paying more attention to some of the other guys in the, in the group, but generally I you think. Because you um, work with
0: Paul and uh, you work you also work with Timmy, right?
2: So yeah, so I you know I was obviously uh, not overly focused on on anything specific with with your game, but I think the the biggest thing that uh, that I would say with you is um, it's so easy for you to have an instant negative reaction after a shot, and it seems like you're really good at getting over it before the next one. But but sometimes just letting yourself. Um, be a little bit, like I said at the beginning, a little bit more accepting of, of some of those things. Uh, was just one of the things that that popped out to me when I saw you. It. It, it was uh, so it was so quick to kind of get down on yourself, and oftentimes it was even in a in a joking manner. But still, again, my my research shows that that kind of um, that kind of you know self defeating, self deprecating humor uh, may be okay in the short term, but in the longer term, it actually has uh, pretty serious uh, negative associations with things like depression or positive. Associations with things like depression and negative associations with with things like optimism and, and confidence and, and self esteem. So it's uh, it's just one of those things that. So uh,
0: explain that. So uh, you, you think that my instant reaction to a shot is good or bad? It's too quick, or should I just? What, what are you saying? Because I, I I see I thunk to myself, man. I just uh, I'll hit a bad shot and it doesn't bother me. Yeah.
2: It's, and again, that's the difference between the external reaction and, and the internal reaction is, is uh, you know, what we see or hear externally may be very different than, than really the, the thinking process that's going on behind that. And it, it may be that, you know, you're trying to um, to make a joke, to have fun with the guys or, or whatever it may be. But that was just something that I, I noticed a couple of times when you hit a bad shot and just would come off kind of talking about how bad it was and, and uh, how terrible it was and all those kinds of things. And, and to me, you know, golf is a really hard game especially, you know, you're saying you're working on a couple of, of swing thoughts and, and, and changing some things in your swing. And, you know, when that's happening, especially when you're trying to take down on the course, that's just, to me, that's one of the hardest things you can do. And, and um, all it does is it cements when you have a negative emotional reaction, it cements that memory in your mind yeah, as a, as, as a yeah, negative yeah, thing, sure. right? And and so one of the big things that I talk about with my athletes is trying to bias your memory to the positive, where, you know, we often don't celebrate the good shots enough, and we overly punish ourselves for the bad shots. So the example I always give is, if you think about a little kid when they learn to play golf, you know, if they hit a bad shot, they don't care, they just pull another ball over, right? It doesn't affect them the slightest. But if they get one up in the air and they hit a good one, they throw their hands up in the air and they tell everybody around mm-hmm. how amazing that shot was yeah. and, and it just creates that's what creates the addiction to golf is it's that challenge but it's that joy of hitting that good shot and i think as we get better as golfers we get start to expect better shots more consistently and so when it happens it kind of just goes oh, okay no big deal you know good shot whatever but the bad shot and then starts panic in her mind going, Oh God, that was such yeah. a terrible shot. That was so bad and and then, you know, if you ask a player after the round and say, Okay, you know, tell me your best three shots, they go, Uh, I don't know, maybe that one, maybe another one okay, <laughs> tell me your worst three. Oh, they tell you exactly in vivid detail every single thing about it. Yeah, because it and, from, and,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, most males, particularly guys, they to to talk about how well they played is a is um Somehow that's like boasting or something. But to talk about the, all the three putts, that's somewhat honorable. But I want to ask you real quick because we're kind of running out of time here. But when when I talk with golfers and sometimes sometimes just with men with the other kind of work that I do, they go, oh, that's just the way I react, man. I can't help it. It's the way I react. Um, but I, a lot of things that we talk about on this show is that, The same with the technical part of the game, the swinging part of the game. The mental performance part of the game is skill building. So how does a golfer like Howard or anyone else, how do they start to build the skill of responding in a more positive way, like you said, or just to be able to celebrate the positive thing rather than reacting? How do you build that skill?
2: Well, the first thing is they get a really good mental coach. So okay, that was well, it. I know you, so job one,
0: I've got that.
2: <laughs> no, no, but but in all serious uh, I just had to throw a little plug in there, right? But, uh, Charlie Fitzsimmons.
0: Um, yeah, throw it to
2: Simmons at Eclipse Performance. Tim O'Connor,
0: O'ConnorGolf.ca, so get one. Exactly. Figure it out, people. <laughs>
2: no but the, the reality is, is is the first step is is awareness the first step yeah. is understanding and, and knowing those reactions and knowing the effect that it has on you and and your performance and once you generate that awareness which actually can sometimes hurt performance because you start to be thinking a lot more once you generate that awareness then you can begin to look at learning different skills that can help you um, change or, or modify that kind of behavior to do it but again the reality is that none of the stuff happens easily or, or without effort and, and time. So it's. Um It's the kind of thing where you can work on different skills, you know. A skill, for example, might be something I work on with my athletes, what we call a mental recovery routine, which is just kind of a two or three step, really simple process to help block out negative thoughts and then kind of swing them back to being more positive. And and so obviously the first step in that, like I said, is, is catching those negative thoughts. And so, you know, an athlete who has that reaction right after a bad shot can kind of go, okay, cool, you know. No, let's take that step back. I understand I got angry there. That's okay. You go through the acceptance part of it. And then you kind of go back and challenge that thinking and and really then cement it as saying, no, it's okay. You know, I understand this is part of a building process and I'm going to continue to work on it. And and, uh, the more often you do that uh, in psychology, there's an old classic saying that neurons that fire together wire together. Uh, and the idea is, is that the more often you do something or say something you create a, a pattern of thinking that becomes easier and easier to do and so you can see how this would spiral down in terms of negativity you know the more negative you get the more negative things you see and that connection just gets stronger and stronger and stronger and you get neg- more negative and more negative but the, the opposite happens as well and, and in that way you can kind of retrain your brain actually to be more positive and so you know as you start to have these controlled or purposeful reactions to shots where you're kind of forcing yourself to be more positive or at least less negative, over time that will become your more automatic reaction and, you know, over a month or two months or three months you start to see that it just completely disappears and you don't even have to think about it anymore. It just becomes that ingrained reaction that you have and I think that's really um, what people need to think about is the brain can change. It, it's proven time and time again is that the, the brain is a, a dynamic and an incredible organ to Constantly be shaping itself and to be finding out and, and so the reality is, is that you can work on and change these things and uh, if people want to look at you know we talked before about happiness as a, as a choice there's a great I think he's a hard psychologist named Sean Acker who's got a great piece about hes there he's got these six steps to happiness and uh, it's a CBC did a really good documentary on him and 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 his steps and, and it's just a really cool idea and he showed that you can actually change a, a pessimist a lifelong pessimist to, to an optimist and about three weeks to a month, just with his, with these exercises, and, and most people think that's ridiculous and impossible. But you know, he showed that it's.
0: it's I don't believe anything true. you've just said. I know some people <laughs> got to get that book for hey, Charlie Fitzsimmons. Thanks for the feedback. Uh, I just sent you a text, so read your okay. text and see if you've got uh, a second. So, Al, we got to wrap things up. Charlie's available. Um, how do people get a hold of you if they want to work with you? If they even can? Because at some point, Charlie's going to Charlie and Adam are going to be like untouchable. Uh, where do people? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a hold of you.
2: They can uh, take a look at our, uh, my website. Uh, my business partner and I have a company called Eclipse um, because we helped you to block out the competition, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but they nice. can also uh, contact me directly uh, at my email at charles ca, yes, and uh, I'd be happy to, to chat with them and, and uh, see if we can work together and, and help them uh, not only be a, a better athlete, uh, but also uh, the skills that we work on are life skills. And, and uh, so they transfer to, to every area of life and, and they tend to have positive impacts all around.
0: Okay, listen to this. I've got a little present for you. Hang on. It's coming again. <laughs> Bless him. It's just nothing but sneezing now. That's how juvenile. That's how juvenile I am. I've just been waiting the whole time to have just sneezing going on. Uh, Charlie, thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Thanks, guys. I really appreciate
0: thanks, Charles. it. Very, fun. very nice. We'll this, talk again yes, soon. Yes, you will. Uh, we'll have Charlie back. Listen, this is going to be a short version of uh, Swing Thoughts. No, that was great um feedback from him because again you know my perception of myself is so different. I I'm think so of myself to this niece I know <laughs> the um uh, my perception is that i i don't get angry I certainly don't get uh, even remotely where I used to be, but maybe my reaction to and i didn 't you know it's funny because i didn 't really I'm trying to think i didn't get i never once got even remotely you know upset but who knows, you know? Probably
1: was reading it in your
0: body language. Yeah, and and you know, yeah, again, I knew yesterday I had a lot of stuff going on. I could tell again, getting to the golf course it was gonna be like, you know, I'm just here for fun. I could tell my body was tired. I, houses for sale. Houses for sale. All that there were a lot of factors that were gonna go into yesterday's day that had nothing to do with golf. Right. And you know what it's like? You know this from children. You know, sometimes when, you know, your energy is low, your tolerance for their shenanigans is also low. Hijinks. Exactly. So maybe my tolerance or energy needed to... You know, keep my golf equilibrium was lowish last night, although I did I had a wonderful time. It was really fun yeah
1: well i I like you're you're talking about awareness, yeah, and it's being aware of what's going on and and just building that skill if that you know to get back to that, and what you're talking about is so much as around if we're not aware of what we're doing, mm-hmm. we're just being unconscious, then how are we going to be able to change things at all and so it it starts with just going, oh. Yeah, I guess this is what's going on for me today, or that's just happened. Mm-hmm. And that's where we start. When we just start to look at things, sometimes that's enough. It's just looking at it. It doesn't mean, like he was talking about that. Um, i didn 't quite get the, the the title of the book, but the happiness book mm-hmm. we have this in our in our society we talk about golf culture, but overall culture no one 's supposed to be unhappy it's funny you say we're that. all supposed to be happy and and almost like if i if people today catch themselves oh i 'm unhappy then i they have to do something so they can get happy. <laughs> As opposed to just being there and just
0: being okay, being sad for a little while and just accepting it and just being aware of it. Charlie and I were talking about this uh, somewhere earlier in the round. We're talking about how there's an unreal expectation of happiness in society. I said it's a Buddhist. One of the first things uh, uh, in Buddhism is you have to accept that life is suffering. It's also the first thing in, in Jewishness as well. Uh, it's <laughs> I, was just, saying, I thought yeah. the Roman Catholics. had Well, that exactly, one. <laughs> maybe, but it's true. It's one of the first things that, that Buddha b- b- told his followers that you know if you expect, if you think this life is going to be suffering free, then your whole life is going to be. Not only are you suffering, but now you are upset. You are suffering because you don't think you should. Yeah, well, it's not. It's not. It
1: doesn't mean that every day you are getting twelve inch spikes in your eyes and mm. and you are walking on hot coal. That would be odd. That would be, and it would be suffering, mm-hmm. but. Uh, A friend of mine, he's, uh, he just, I think he nails it. He says, "I never learned anything on a good day." Means we learn from, we learn from our trials and tribulations and whatnot. And there's lots of suffering that goes on, certainly. But you know, life is good. You guys enjoyed the green grass and mm-hmm. and just having a good time. And you've written on your knuckle there. Was yeah, I, was, a, I, brought, I, write, I write it all the time. Is that like CV, like cootie vaccination? Right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's funny. You say, I, people often remark that I, even though I have a phone and computers, I uh, still write down people I need to call on my hand. You've been doing that since what, grade two? Forever. Maybe you didn't call too many people in grade two. No. You know what I used to also do is I used to write down. Um, so when I, when I was would be on stage, if I was putting anything new in my act, I'd put it on my hand here. Because will notice when I hold the microphone, you can't see it. Oh, so, it's, yeah. so I could look at it. Um, there's some inside uh, I was stuff for it. a tattoo, you. but... Yeah, I have a tattoo as well. Listen, everyone, Swing Thoughts, uh, doing great. Uh, brought to you by TaylorMade and Adidas for now. we got a uh, Facebook page that's going to come Yes, up. coming next week. Yeah, yeah. And uh, In the meantime, you can follow Timmy on Facebook. You can follow me on Facebook. Timmy's uh, shared that uh, great article with um, Jordan Spieth. Yep. If you don't want to go there, you can just check it out. It's basically Spieth's uh, press conference at the Players Championship, which is uh, by the time you listen to this, will be, I guess, through this weekend. Um,
1: And want to give you an update. I'm almost finished the Tiger Woods ESPN story, story isn't great, with though? the military oh yeah. it's if you haven't folks if you haven't uh checked it out make sure you do uh a great great piece to to really put in context of what the hell happened to tiger
0: and it's not the name of it like what happened to tiger woods Just, or something no, it's like
1: something like the secret life of tiger yeah woods yeah or something. Yeah. and uh it's it's a brilliant brilliant piece of reporting um and really tells the story of uh of it gives you a really
0: good idea on what the hell went down with Tiger Woods. Did you, I'm sure I've asked this before, but I've forgotten. Did you read the Haney book? I have not. Well, no. it's very, a lot of that sort of uh, military s- secret forces stuff uh, Haney touches on in his book and that's corroborated and expanded a little bit in this article. And I remember something in the Haney book where Haney basically sat him down and said, you know, you re- this stuff's taking over. You know, you're not spending the kind of time that you used to on golf and practicing and putting and all. And that You're stuff. hurting yourself, and you're hurting yourself. A lot of those injuries that Tiger had are not well, golf injuries. Yeah,
1: yeah. One of the, I think the one I think was it oh uh, six, the ACL injury. Yes, uh, Haney said it was happened uh, running in uh, combat boots. Yeah. And he tore his ACL running in freaking Something Jack boots. Nicholas
0: never did. <laughs> uh, to O'Connor or golf. Hogan, or Hogan. Or Nelson. Or Sneed. Oh, actually, Speed of Hogan. That, that, that story of... Um, Sneed played in bare feet. What was that story? He, we, just during the, the show today, he was talking about uh, the awareness of, oh, yeah, the um, of, of Speed. You know, yep. I think, you know, who's away. But isn't that a famous Hogan story? That Hogan played with a guy, and uh, Hogan got a two on a par three. The guy got a hole in one. What is the story and Hogan was Hoga, like I think Hogan just went shot. Yeah. Or just, just, either he went shot or didn't even know was was <laughs> thought he was away on the tee. Anyway, hope you guys uh, enjoy your golf this uh, weekend and this week to come. Uh, Oconagolf.ca. Ocon- 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 o- Ocon- Ocon- ca. Yeah. With an Irish accent, too. Uh ca. There you go. And uh, humble and com. swing thoughts on Facebook subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you.
1: Down on the river, you're stopping, you whole stop everything A band is flowing, Dixie, double fall time You feel all right